0: When I was actively suicidal, I told somebody, and because those words came out, of my mouth said, "I want to end my own life. I couldn't do it."
1: There was 15 people I used to work with every day, closely, and even for myself, you can have a laugh, you can have a great day, and then as soon as you as soon as you leave that place, you leave that people, you're driving home, you can instantly just hit the ground.
2: Welcome to the show Men Who Talk, where men talk about what men talk about or should be talking about. Brought to you by Ansar Ali and myself, Sam Malik. Today's episode is sponsored by workshopleader.org, which is a website that helps workshop leaders become more engaging, efficient, and effective in what they do. Today we have two guests. The first person that we have here is Daniel Parker, who is our creative director and a fellow podcaster. And we also have Andy Hall, who is an award-winning mentor, TED speaker and a mental health charity ambassador. Today we're going to talking about something that most of our listeners will probably have heard of before, mental health. At the same time, I think there is a lack of awareness and understanding of what mental health is, what is mental illness. I mean, for me, according to the professionals, it's just like physical health, which has its good, has its bad, has its symptoms, has its treatments, has its professional information, but also has its bro science. So Dan, could you describe in your own words what you think what mental health is for you? Mental health for me is about being
1: happy or not happy. That's kind of my experience of it. I think it's a good question because I think mental health is different for everyone. I couldn't describe it for being one thing. because It's different for everybody. But for me, my experience with it, it's just whether I'm happy or whether I'm not. There's no really much in between with it. i Am either
2: happy or I'm not? That's how I would describe it for myself. I think that's a really good one. Andy, what about yourself? How would you like to describe mental health?
0: You've already summarised it really well. Everybody's got mental health. Every second of every day, we've got mental health. Mental ill health, which I think is the, is the problem. Just like physical health, as you've already said, is that, you know, you can become physically unwell, but we've always, we've always got physical health as well as mental health. As Dan said before, it's different for everyone, how we describe our own mental health. I think quite often we use words which we identify with and label ourselves sometimes, and we come, become those labels too much. You look at statistics, and, you know, one in four people are probably going to be diagnosed with a mental illness but one out of every one, 100 out of every 100 people has mental health. So that means we're all in the same boat there. But as Dan said, we're all different as well. We've all got our own triggers, we've all got our own feelings and emotions, our own reactions to certain situations. So, yeah, we're all pretty much the same.
2: Ansa, could you, in your words, maybe say what mental health and what mental illness is? Like, what's the difference?
3: I think mental health is a massive range of emotions, basically. Feelings that you... Normally wouldn't feel, you know, a change in your personality, your ability to live and do your norm in an everyday setting. It's not a result of one event, it never is. It's a result of overlapping causes, situations in your life. It can be something that's genetic, but it's the environment that we live in, the lifestyle that we take upon ourselves. can be all sorts of
2: causes. So you just said something about overlapping, right? I just want to pick up on that. What kind of things overlap in, you know, what you were just trying to say before?
3: Everything is like a domino effect is what I feel Like one situation or one incident can kind of not blow out of proportion But take a step in the wrong direction or a different direction And then you get another feeling and then you try and resolve that feeling But then something else comes up
2: And you're constantly just one It's
3: just one after another never
2: ending is Mm. it? It's
3: how, like me and Andy were speaking earlier It's how deep does it get?
2: Well actually one of the reasons why I wanted to bring this topic up Is essentially the lack of awareness and understanding of what mental health is me and Ansa were on the same social event when somebody described mental health quite incorrectly, saying that oh, everyone's just throwing it about left, right and centre. But when he said that, his definition of mental health was, in my opinion, was completely wrong. I mean, we didn't say that in a patronising way that he's wrong, but I think that comes up into what the lack of understanding of what is mental health. But also, Andy, so I'm going to throw this one at you. Could you tell me what isn't mental health?
0: It's a real good question, that, because you, I think you've got to define what mental health is and what it isn't in the same way. Way. Ouais. I think there's, this is almost like the opposite to the stigma, you just touched on that again, is that it gets thrown around a lot. As soon as somebody says, I'm having a bad day, depressed, they've instantly got depression. Whereas depression is probably a long-term illness, something that you can't get out of on your own voluntarily. You need external sort of intervention. Whereas being depressed is a natural emotional state. Dan, you've already said this, is that sometimes you're happy, sometimes you're not. doesn't mean you're depressed when you're not happy. It just means that you're low. And what mental illness isn't of emotions it's when somebody can't change their mood you know when you hear people say uh get a grip man up the one that mm-hmm. i absolutely love that mm-hmm. one
2: yeah i wrote a song about that Have you, yeah. i was involved in the song man up but yeah sorry i'm sorry to cut you no, off no, no, yeah. no, it's, it's i was gonna say Have you even wrote a song about that
0: yeah get a grip of yourself man up yeah all these kind of things pull yourself together get you on know. with it yeah get on with it you know it's stuff like that when people snap say out yeah, snap out of it oh yeah i've not thought of snapping out of it oh <laughs> thanks for that sam There you go, I'm now instantly feeling better. That's when somebody's mentally unwell, that they cannot voluntarily change their emotion and it's not as easy as that. So what it isn't is when somebody's saying, I'm feeling anxious about something, doesn't mean they have anxiety, doesn't mean they have a mental illness when somebody's feeling anxious about something. Feeling anxious about stuff is natural. That's how we've survived as human beings. That's how we've evolved by looking out for threats so it is right to feel anxious but when you can't control your anxiety when the physical response is out of your control that's when it's an illness so i hear things like i've got imposter syndrome social anxiety all these things everybody's had this throughout millennia people get worried about certain situations but you can take control of those they can go within 90 minutes you've only got 90 minutes of adrenaline in your body so so if you have a panic attack and i used to have lots of panic attacks i could tell you a lot about this you know that panic attack after you've had so many of them it cannot last for more than 90 minutes because you've only got 90 minutes of adrenaline in your body that can actually fuel, fuel that it. yeah exactly so what mental illness isn't feeling down it's not feeling anxious that's just normal that's what, how our brains work that's how we've survived forever by feeling emotions if you said Ansar so what it isn't it isn't these phrases that people are jumping on board with and you've said you know people throwing it around what kind of bothers me Sam this is I just want to throw out there. this is a bit of a bomb now that what really bothers me at the moment that there's an actual industry around mental health. People mm, mm. are making money on the back of mm. things like mental health training, which is not a bad thing. And it's good to, to raise awareness of. But when people are making money out of other people's misfortune, that really bothers me.
1: I think it is being banded around because the awareness has got so big over the last mm. say five years, ten years, it's got so big the awareness, but is people are piggybacking on it. Piggybacking mm. on it, I think. Yeah. Like you say, people are saying it a lot of people saying they're depressed now when they're actually not
2: it's become like a brand and a trend of its own i'm just thinking about certain organizations their practice of profession was a different four or five years ago and now they're pretty much the whole organization has gone down the route of mental health i'm not saying it in an, like a malicious way that's why i'm not you know i'm not going to mention them but for me that is a definition of jumping on the bandwagon here we do know there's a lot of attention and funding and a lot of infrastructure that is being built around it a lot more than what it was 10 15 years ago correct me if I'm wrong you know there's mental health charities there's you know mental health training like you said a new thing that I've come across it is mental health first aiders yeah. so like some of these corporate companies essentially they have like a counsellor in their HR team that they describe them as mental health first aiders mm. so that whole thing about where it's become a trend it's become a brand which I'm really trying to clean up the stigma a bit mm. because when someone has genuinely got a mental health issue there's that social barrier that they have to face when they want to talk about it when they want to go and get help when they want to do something about it whatever it is but because it's been thrown about so thinly or oh, you know mental health is just nothing and you know it's not really an actual thing so i've had certain people telling me that mental health is for people that are not really god conscious and it's coming from a, like a religious oh, view yeah i think where do you get that from yeah. you know but at the same time again i'm using it as an example there's a lot of deeper understanding there is something there it's not in its surface answer so how do you think that mental health looks like in the world now like what is it
3: i think people see mental health issues as someone that's a bit sad a bit depressed not feeling themselves you know you've seen them adverts that they do at audio and cinema and stuff basically it's Some guy who's just not feeling well and they think that's just it. But the problem is so much deeper than he can kind of show. That's what's difficult. You don't really see what someone's going through. And the people that are outside, they just see, you know, you're sad. I've known Andy for like years, Mm. probably a decade. And, you know, he's he's gone through a lot. I didn't see it and a lot of people didn't see it. It is a lot to do with low moods, high moods, feeling really bad, dismal. But what people see is just someone that's a bit sad.
2: Mm. i mean can you see it andy if i was having a bad day could you tell if i knew you well i thank god okay
0: if i if i as a friend i think a genuine friend would know so let's think about your
2: best friend right in your head right
3: can i just interrupt how would a normal person just identify or even get the slightest of feeling that one of their work colleagues because we we spend most of our time with our work colleagues Mm -hmm. you know eight hours a day on average, some Mm. people, 10 hours a day. We spend more time with our work colleagues than we do with our family a lot of the time. So how would one kind of identify that their mate or their colleague are going through some kind of... um...
1: I think it's difficult because I've been... When I used to work at a place in Manchester, there was 15 people I used to work with every day, closely. And even for myself, you can have a laugh, you can have a great day. And then as soon as, you, as soon as you leave that place and you leave that people, you're driving home, you can instantly just hit the ground. Mm-hmm. I think it's difficult. People mask it a lot. Yeah, they definitely do.
2: 100%. We,
0: we've become actors, though, haven't we? And I think that's the thing. When you're hiding a mental illness and you don't... Part of the problem is you don't know it. That was my problem, is that I was depressed for years and had depression because I couldn't snap out of it. But we become so good at acting and pretending that everything's okay. You know, when we first met, we were in networking events. You know, I was thinking, oh, yeah, great. Yeah. Then after a while, you can see through it. You go, actually... This goes back to your question, Sap. Is that Are you sure you're all right? Because you're looking a bit tired. Mm. Well, actually, well, you yeah, know, things aren't so good. I remember going to I've got I've got a few stories on this. I'm definitely going to answer the question. There was a networking event and I'd just lost the franchise because I had three franchises. Remember the Yellow Tom yep. franchise yep. they had? And you did my design when I first yep. went self-employed at yep. home um, sales and marketing at a networking event and you hear the usual bullshit, don't you? Yeah. It's like, how are you? Oh, yeah, great. How's business? Oh, business is booming, that sort of thing. Yeah, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm doing that. Somebody asked me at a networking event up at Grains Bar, said, uh, how's business, Andy, when it's shit? Mm. I go, why? What's up? Because it's shit. I hate business. Business is so bad. I hate money. I hate unscrupulous people. I don't like people who lie. I don't like thieves. I don't like people who take money from other people. It's shit. What's happened? My franchise has just gone bumped. The franchisor is just taking everything from us, taking all our money. I'd rather just be honest sometimes and just say, you know, it's it's crap. And I think it's when that question you're asking about, I, could you tell if there's something wrong? I think, it's be, and you've said this as well, because we just act, we pretend that everything's okay. Mm, the problem mm. isn't that we should be able to detect it in other people. I think it should come from the person who's not feeling so good. I think honestly, if I said if I said to you, Sam, Are you all right, Sam, and you went, Yeah, I'm okay, and you wasn't, <laughs> you'd be lying to me. You know, if we're good friends. You know, you know what, Andy having a bit of a bad day today why what's the matter well a bit of bad news tell me yeah. more can I help
2: i'm fine is the, apparently the biggest lie always told
0: yeah because it's not what's fine mean it doesn't yeah. mean anything does it it's just pleasantries in this country we're so polite we don't tell the truth enough you know it's like how are you i'm all right are you really all right well well actually no to ask no i'm not
2: but to, do people you know when people ask how are you doing do they really want to know do they care no well I, I would
1: say it depends on it is how close you are with them like mm-hmm. when, when Andy asked me he'll text me on a Tuesday how was your day I think Andy I think generally Wants to know how my day's been, no, yeah. but obviously when you see someone in the in the street or in the, in the pub or that like you you see every other weekend, how are you, mate? I'm alright. How are you? And it's just yeah. it's just a common thing to say. Definitely, I was gonna say
3: what Dan just said. It depends on the individual because when I ask yeah. someone, I actually mean it. Even if they say fine, I'll ask that question again and again until they tell me the truth. Basically, because you can you can kind of see you know if you've been through some kind of sadness to put it lightly. Mm. You know, you, you kind of relate to other people that like you can kind of tell they're a bit sad or, you know, they're going through some kind of issues mm-hmm. or, you know, there's yeah. something, basically. But
1: know no, what I can kind of compare it to? Go on. If you kind of understand this, is like, you know when you, you tell someone you love them, so you tell your wife or your girlfriend, every time they close the door when they're leaving the house, love you, bye. Yeah. Or you're on the phone, love you, bye. You say it that often, that often, that often, that often. It's just It just becomes part of, it's, love you, bye, but... Mm-hmm if that makes sense.
0: I totally agree. And I think sometimes it's the eye contact. What I not expect about you, answer is when you ask a question, you're looking right in people's eyes. So that's why I think I've got a good connection with you because you're sincere. I get it when you're talking. I think you're talking to the individual, not just using words and filling, filling space. I think you're actually talking to the individual.
3: It is, you know, you have to look deep into that person and, you know, what they're going through. Eyes tell you a lot. Mm. Guaranteed So, no.
2: I tell you one thing that On, on that note so I remember picking up That you can pick up A lot of health issues From people's eye bags I mean I know When we have a bad night's sleep mm. Our eye bags And the socket area Has a particular Color And it has a particular Kind of structure oh, to it okay. But apparently so And you know what For me you know, I started looking at different people differently. Right now, I'm just looking at everyone's eye bags and seeing who's healthy. This is what I went through. Every sick person that I saw afterwards, whether it was someone in hospital, whether it's someone poorly at home, I was just mindful about looking at their eye socket area to see if there's anything that I can pick up. But I think I'm gonna I'm gonna re- rewind a bit. Somebody says "Snap out of it." Hmm. I think there's one thing that I wanna dig a bit deeper into snap into it. So when you actually self-identify, we are actually dealing with your darkness yourself, when you're actually trying to figure out, am I stressed or is this actually chronic? We've discussed how do we see in other people. Mm. Can you tell us how can we find it in ourselves that something's wrong or, you know, at what point do we need to do what? How do we snap into it, basically? Does that comment make sense? Mm, Snap into it. It's essentially owning and embracing it. And trying to figure out what is the shit that you're going through. So
0: we're talking about when somebody's mentally unwell. Yeah. You snap into it. So actually accepting that there's something not right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a really tough question, yeah.
3: Because it does happen. It does happen because obviously people go through a lot. The most difficult part is accepting it. Mm. And what will we need to identify and how do we accept it?
0: I think if if you can find the answer to that, I think you'll solve... 50% 50% of the mental illnesses in the world, if you can find the answer to that. That's and quite I,
2: profound, that, yeah. Maybe yeah, I know you're right. I know exactly where you are. Yeah, if, I know if where we, you're
0: going. If we can accept when we're unwell, that's one part of it. And I think, so about men, we do not tell people when we're not feeling good. We, mm. we are programmed mm. that way. Yeah. We, we are programmed to defend we ourselves.
3: We wait until someone yeah. tells us, I think you're not feeling well. And then what know? do you do
0: when somebody goes, you know what, I think there's something wrong with you. Don't tell me when there's something wrong with me. I know when there's something not right with me. But we, we do defend ourselves. But we won't accept when we're not good. We generally, I'm not all males, but most males are quite competitive. We want to be seen to be strong, not just physically, but mentally strong. Mm, You know, mm. no matter what we do, if you're in the gym, we want to look good, even when we're feeling like crap. When I'm running, I want to feel like I'm running strong, even when I'm feeling like shit. When I'm working, when I'm knackered, I still want to look like I'm working at my best. So, you know the question about how do we snap into it? Sometimes we don't realise it. Do you know the the phrase about boiling a frog.
2: Could you tell us, please?
0: The, the theory is that if you put a you put a frog in hot water, it's going to jump out straight away because it's going to get boiled. Yep. If you put a frog in cold water, it'll stay there because it's it's the natural temperature. You put heat under that water, and then it will get hot, and it will stay there happily. I'm not sure about happily, but it'll stay there until it's boiled alive because it doesn't feel the slight increase in temperature. That's what happens with us in our mental health is that we can blissfully be happy as children and then we get more of these pressures that put on us, more anxieties, more burden, mounts up and it all mounts up. It becomes very, very unnatural for us to deal with the things that we deal with on a day-to-day basis and suddenly something goes wrong we snap as you say, you know, something snaps. And that's what happened to me. It's like, I don't ever remember designing this life for myself. I don't ever remember working 12-hour shifts, never seeing my children. I don't ever remember constantly worrying about not sleeping, constantly worrying about finance. That's, that's not natural for humans. That's not right. So the boiling frog thing is that we've allowed ourselves to be punished. We've allowed ourselves to torture ourselves into a state of mental illness. I think this is where the epidemic comes from. This is why we're in an unnatural society now where we've allowed it. It's become normal to brag about not having sleep. You know, it's, it's normal yeah. to be overworked. You know, how are you? Oh, I'm busy. Hmm. Good busy or bad busy? really really effing busy i'm telling you now i'm not sleeping busy you know oh wow business must be good like you know what that's not a good place to be you know if, you, if you're working 18 hours days and you're not seeing your family that's not a good mental yeah. health place to be in is it you might be bragging about your business and your income but i tell you yeah. what in 10 years time you're gonna hit the wall my friend
1: dan have you got anything to add to that exactly what you just said is what i wrote about in the blog this week when i first started the business i was bragging on instagram and, and linkedin i've just done a f- 16 hour shift this week uh, today and then I'd, same again tomorrow and emoji with a them pe- uh, the muscles mm. i was just working too hard and just doing too much and it, it just it got to me i had to slow it up but yeah you do brag about stuff like that but mm. i have it's a big mm. one I you have.
3: know every single young business that i actually come across i advise them i believe in a wise man learns from another man's mistakes and i've made so many mistakes i think
2: everyone does yeah. Mm. You know, yeah, I think everyone I does, think after, um,
1: after half the, of the thing with that is because kind of showing off. Yeah. yeah. Caring, caring about too much what other people think. Look at me, I've just done 18 hours because you want people to think he's busy, he's doing all right, mm. he's doing well. And it's worse now though
0: because you've got social media everywhere. Yeah. You know, every platform, you're posting something about, you know, how you want to look to other people.
1: Yeah, Instagram's, basically your show reel. you don't put on instagram when you're feeling like dog shit with your hands on your head in your house you don't take a picture and put that on you only put on what you want people to see so it's become like a yeah it's become like a showreel for the majority success. of
0: people yeah. do that don't you? Yeah. i know yeah. some people did somebody i spoke with at bollington the tedx
1: she called
0: it out and said when well, i'm having a shit day i'm going to put on there i'm having a really shit day just broken up with my boyfriend i have been feeling really low i can't be bothered putting makeup on put it on instagram that's like the opposite of what Instagram's all about isn't it Instagram's like filters and you know making people look not just look physically attractive but you know to appear to be you know winning it winning at life but some mm. people are putting on Instagram you know what I'm
3: feeling terrible in a way that is going back to what Sam said I snap into it mm. and people are accepting and admitting like when obviously you'll see my stories sometimes I'll i am feeling that like, shit and mm. straight away I get people asking you're right what's up etc et etc cetera, et cetera.
2: I mean I think we men in this room and i'm hoping that a lot of our listeners will also know that social media is definitely not helping mental health in this day and age what you were just describing like this person that is willing to put up posts on instagram when she's having a bad day that then creates its own series of problems where she gets tarnished for being an attention seeker yeah, exactly. right but if she had mm. a filter took a picture in front of a private jet or sports car etc and that's a good thing so i think what's happening is the whole social media is constructing us into creating this perception of what life should be like that's how deep it is Mm. and i think sometimes what happens i'm talking specifically about mental health and social media is where because you don't want to see it of other people you don't want to accept it in yourself does that make sense you're really trying to cut it out from everywhere and everything but coming back into the snap into it and this is where i think i'm gonna take the conversation to the next part of the show so the solution of identifying mental health issues the solutions of dealing with stress depression, anxiety, the solutions of finding out about mental health. So the first thing I'm gonna take charge of this is the physical act of talking, you know, which is quite I think that we've built up this whole podcast around that where a bunch of men are gonna be talking about different different topics. And I think I trying to do that justice really, so the physical act of talking, whether it is stress, whether it is mental illness, whether it is about just generic mental health, whether it is isn't about mental health. So I mean what do you think about the talking and mental health and the connection around that
0: i'm going to say it's obviously one of the most important things that anybody can do is to talk sat here wearing my andy's man club top which hashtag it's okay to talk that's what it's all about that i'm not just saying andy's man club but the whole idea of being able to open up and just tell people how you feel was one of the hardest things I ever had to do but it was also one of the best things i did part of my recovery if you like to, to getting better but i think it goes a lot deeper than just talking because conversations are two-way things and it's just, you know, it's, it's listening. It's probably more important. If I'm in a good place and say, say you're not in a good place, I instantly feel better knowing that you're talking to me about it. So actually there's a balance in the room. Just being in this room now, the five of us in this room right now, I'm feeling better subconsciously because I'm in the room with like-minded people. So my mood's instantly higher. So it's okay to talk is only part of it. Being able to identify in yourself what's wrong with you. You know, we're familiar with these questions. You know, you've heard them before. How's your weeping? Is anything you want to get off your chest? You know, when it's something you want to get off your chest and you know somebody's going to ask that question, that's when you can snap into it, Sam. You can go like, well, actually I'm going to have the opportunity to tell people how I feel in a safe environment. So talking is important, but Talking can't work unless there's
3: somebody willing to listen. On that point, I remember we were at the Chambers Business Centre once, myself and Andy, when when you were speaking to myself, you were actually interested in what I was saying. You were actually listening to me, and I feel that's really, really powerful. When you're listening to someone speak, you need to give them your full 100% attention. It's really important to the person that's talking to feel that there's someone on the other side that's actually listening and they actually care.
2: I think when I was saying about the talking, some of it is nothing to do with the listener. You know, some of it, it's the physical act of just letting off steam, if you want to call it, where the physical act of conversation or even just saying the words where you get the whole law of attraction and the affirmations, etc. Where you're physically able to put it into something, into words, that becomes a form of dealing with it you know, Mm. you're putting it into words. So that's what I was trying to get at with the talking, I think. And just
0: getting things off your chest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting the emotions out of your brain and getting them out there.
2: I think it comes into that snap into it as well, doesn't it? When you're talking about it, it's that thing where even that talking is having a conversation with yourself. But I think, I think let's go a bit deep into this territory. Let's maybe talk a bit, you know, what kind of things that we can do. I mean, is there anything, Dan, that you think that is a solution to some of the problems and some of the things that we've
1: Well, I was going to bring up Andy Mann's club. I've only been a handful of times and I was supporting someone else who was... Who was going, but I find it when, you, when you're when trying to explain to someone, especially your loved ones, if you don't feel well, mm-hmm. so your mm-hmm. mum, your dad, or your brother, or your sister, or your best mate. Well, I think we touched on this a bit earlier, so I'll speed it up. Like they always say, pat on the back. Oh, and well, no, yeah. it'll be all right. Come on, mate. Mm. I'll put the kettle on. It'll, it'll be all right. We'll do this tomorrow. It'll be fine. And you go, yeah, all right. But you've not really had a conversation where I think when you go to Andy Mann's club, a group of lads, and you don't, well, if you go every week, you get to know them. But obviously, when you go for the first time, they're not really, am I right to say, they're not really allowed to talk and give you feedback. Or advice. It's more okay. like you can sit there with a, with the ball with in your hand ball. and you can you can speak for 20 minutes if you want, and no one's allowed to give you an opinion of what they think, and then it goes to the next person. You've got it out. Yeah. No one's saying, Oh no, it'll be all right next week, it'll be all right tomorrow. Mm. When I went, I thought that's what helped for me. No one's giving me their opinion or what I should do or what I shouldn't do. They just I've got it all You're out Physically talking. And then they went, Thanks. Daniel on to the next person. I was like, got it out. Mm.
3: They they actually do. It's it's powerful, you know. I've been to a few Andy's Man Club sessions.
2: So Andy, uh, could you describe what, or answer? could you describe what Andy's Man Club is? It's powerful.
3: That's one word, right? When you talk, the difference between Andy's Man Club, talking to the guys at Andy's Man Club and talking to your mate is, your mate will say what you want to hear. Whereas Andy's Man Club like 20 strangers that don't know you for shit basically and they actually do listen and you know like dan said they give you the ball whether it's a football or a rugby ball and they just let you speak and you just lash out you you express all your feelings and and, and you,
1: a, a, another thing as well when you're listening to somebody else's problems across the other side of the room sometimes you're thinking about your problem inside your head and you just just spoken someone else will say something else and you think oh, you can mm. take something on board that helps yourself even though yeah. you don't have to say anything yeah yeah, yeah.
0: That's powerful as well. I think yeah. there's a couple of things I get from that is when, when I listen to other people talking about what really pisses them off, I go, I feel like that as well. Like, yeah. So it's not <laughs> just me then who gets annoyed by that. I'm not the only one who gets stressed by these
3: things. Seriously, you know, I went when I did my knee, I lost football, I lost mm. running, I lost a lot, I lost a lot, and talking to them guys was just a way to deal with it. I mean,
2: Andy, mm. could you, like, what What does Andy Andy's man club mean to you?
0: Um, it was kind of a salvation in a word. To me, it was it was a way to identify things in myself that I didn't even know existed. There was things that have happened in my life which I'd just buried in my subconscious and never wanted to deal with. And I've got that, that T-shirt. <laughs> I think we all have stuff, you know, and that kind of goes back to one of the earlier questions, as well. we've all got our own stuff to deal with. But that just made, it was just a nice environment, the right environment where you're not being judged by other people and you could just say the things that have bothered you for so long. And it's a bit like an exorcism in that respect, you know. A lot of people talk about with mental health that you have your own demons the demons are just our own memories quite often where we just beat ourselves up. The darkness, you might describe it as sometimes. These voices that are criticising ourselves. I go to Andy's Man Club when I talk about these things which have been buried deep down in my memory and my psyche and I get them out there. And actually, I've used the words and I spoke about them and I don't feel like a freak anymore now. I feel actually fairly normal for the first time. Yeah. So the first time I went, the ball came to me. And it was, I had are every... First day? Give a bit of perspective. I've been going to Andy's Man Club for about three years. I don't go... No, yeah. I don't go much now. I'll pop in once in a while to see my mates and to support.
2: You dealt with your demons then? When you said
0: about snapping into it, yeah. I know who my demons are. And yeah. when I'm alone with my demons, I'm saying, bring it on. Fine, come, on, yeah. come on, motherfucker, bring it on. You know, tell me, just tell me how, how shit I am. And I'll just listen to you and I won't respond to it. But before I went to Andy's Man Club, those demons were just constantly having to go at me. Because I've been able to just bring them out into the open and go, you know what, this this happened to me when I was a child. This happened to my parents. This happened to my business. This happened to me at work. You know, all these things where i felt like I've not been able to get them off my chest. I could do. And because I've heard them. Actually, I actually heard my own voice and you said about, you know, the actual act of talking. Once you've actually got the words out there, you think, actually, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. You know, I've, you know that baggage has now been, been lifted. So Andy's Man Club, to me, has been a real salvation. A friend Kelly put a tweet out online. I just, I literally had a breakdown at work. I had... I really could not look after myself. I was desperate. i have been on antidepressants, been on medication, and I didn't want to go down that route at all. I thought I would, honestly, I'm saying this now, don't need to edit it if you don't want, I would rather take my own life than go back on medication. I, yeah. I do, not, nope, do not want no, to go um, there. I'm not, I'm not having that anymore. I, if, I can't, if I can't cope with it anymore, then, you know, that's it, I've lost. She put a tweet out about Andy's Man Club. If there's any guys out there who are struggling with life, want to get things off the chest, i have looked look at Andy's Man Club. So I looked at the tweet and I thought, this is just perfect, you know, it's, it's a place where guys can just get together and talk. So I sent him a message on the Monday night and it was seven o'clock, I sent a message. They just started. I got a message at the end of the session. A mate of mine who was the facilitator at the time, also called Andy, obviously not the Andy. Andy Greenway, what a legend. And I'm going on record now saying that guy saved so many men's lives. It's unbelievable just by listening to them and facilitating that. And that's the power of it. I've been sat in a room at Andy's Man Club Oldham and there was probably eight of us in one circle and six people had made attempts on their own life. And wow. months later, they're still here.
2: You know what, that's almost that national statistics, isn't it? 83%, is it? In that group, if you think about it, what's, what's it six it? out of eight? Yeah, yeah, yeah it eight. is, isn't it?
0: Yeah. But the thing is, because people are talking about it, they're less likely to take their own life. I remember when I was actively suicidal, I told somebody. And because those words came out of my mouth, said, I want to have my own life. I couldn't do it. Just by saying it, I couldn't actually tell my own life because I'd actually said it. But if I kept it to myself, I may have gone ahead and done it. I may mm. not even be saying here now with you guys if I'd not said that. So is it okay to talk? I think, yeah, it's my salvation.
2: I mean, one thing for, I mean, this is me and I, I definitely use this and it's going to go to a different part of the show as well, is journaling. I mean, Dan, you're nodding there. Tell us, I mean, I, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell you my I, bit later I, on. I, but. I
1: kind of did it a different way. So before I started vlogging, I didn't want to talk about it to anyone. But I've never had depression. I've just been depressed about certain situations for a long time, for long periods of time. And I always wanted to start doing vlogs so everyone could hear me talking about my journey and stuff like that, about the business journey. So I started recording myself just talking just for myself. So I'd get my iPhone, just put it on the record and just talk about, this has been shit today, this. So it's journaling, but you're not writing it down. Yeah, 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 and then yeah. i try and flip it to try and be positive and then I'd uh, listen to it back the next day and then go, right, that was, that was yesterday. I'm going to try and sort today out. And mm-hmm. kind of I kind of journaled that way by speaking into my recorder. In your voice, than, yeah. I've yeah. done
2: voice notes, yeah. Definitely. And then
1: slowly brought that into getting in front of the camera and doing vlogs online kind of thing
2: i mean with me i came across bullet journaling it was basically a concept he's a creative actually a quite successful out of this whole bullet journal concept now is where he created this simple system of a creative dyslexic where someone that wasn't able to process their thoughts but still be creative and managing their workload and it was a very task management system but then what happened is people started picking it up for dealing with you know like you just said when they want to talk about it but not tell anyone but Then still have a form of communicating Mm -hmm. with yourself But I think for me What what journaling allowed me to do Is separate all the different parts in my. I kind of treated it like this Sam's life master plan And I started looking at different areas of my life You know, from health, finance, spirituality Social, legacy Different, different areas And I really found that to be quite a solution And this is the word A solution of just me dealing with all these demons In my head and my thoughts Because I struggle to talk I still struggle to talk to people about it I think I'm a lot more able to now Because I do understand a there's a lot of men that do talk about their issues etc i probably just need to find and befriend people that are on the same wavelength as me so the first form of communication became journaling you know i think i'll talk to myself then you know like that voice note Mm. example that you were saying i thought if i can start that off then one day i'll be able to talk to somebody else Mm.
3: i do think it's the first step you know because if you look at it journaling is what we all all four of us we all write you know Andy's got his own blog. Dan's a fantastic writer. His blog's are a good read. Obviously, you write as well, Sam. So we all, I write myself. Obviously, I started my blog. You know, it's, we are right. actually journaling, aren't we? Mm. You know? It's good
1: to read them back as well, so... Exactly. Oh, that is so fucking that's, powerful. I read, I... That's probably the best I read a
2: 2018... Yeah, well, um, I've not. Been, but you know what? That'd give me a new re- release of life.
1: I've only been doing mine since 2017. But when I shared my latest blog yesterday, I went before I launched it on or advertised it on Facebook, whatever. I went back and read all the other ones. I was like, mm. "Wow!" Like,
3: no, no, your blogs
1: are. For when you they, read they the first one know. in 17, and then this one, it's like that kind of helps. Mm.
2: Yeah, no, I read. I read my first like, the bullet journal. You essentially end up writing a whole book for three months. It's got this, you know, monthly vol- um, logs weekly logs, daily logs. I mean, I'm going to come to that in a second. But yeah, reading it back was so powerful, man. I mean, especially after my recent health dip, I went into a completely different place as well as physically, but psychologically. And I remember during that time, I picked that this first bullet journal of mine. And I just flipping through the pages. At first, I was actually looking for some old notes. But then after that, I think it took me two, two and a half days to read it all. And there's so many, I was going through like so many gratitude stuff that yeah. I was collecting so many affirmations. I was actually going through all the tasks and all the projects that i completed i thought no man you know you know sam's smashing it in his own way like Mm. so yeah so i mean and is there anything that you can bring up in a like a solution category
0: to help other people it's probably understanding our role in that relationship so creating an environment allows people to talk and be honest with you i think is the first part of it so my relationship with my wife my son and my daughter i want to create an environment where they feel comfortable to talk to me mm. i don't want to feel as though I'm going to get judged as a parent that's really difficult it's incredibly difficult to provide that environment so the relationship with a friend a genuine friend i think it's easier to talk to a genuine friend so dan's already mentioned it. if i send a text to dan how are you doing then i'm not going to get the honest answer and i'll do the same i get messages from my friends saying how are you doing mate honestly i feel like shit but if my wife's had a hard day at work and she walks through the door, she doesn't want to hear me say, I've had a shit day as well. We're just going to bring each chiller down. So I think part of it is knowing who to talk to and what to say. Talking is one part of it. And, and dealing with it in terms of finding almost like a solution to this let's just first of all self-identify is this just a bad day is this just a bad mood or is it something I need to do something about who's the right person to speak with because colleagues at work may not even care to mm. be honest with you mm. so I'll give you an example if, if I've had a really bad day at work and my wife walks through the door and she says how's your day been and she's really not thinking oh she's thinking about how many loads of washing do I need to do tonight and when do I need to put the tea on and I cook by the way just to put that out there if she says how's your day been and I go you know what, I've had such a shit day today. I've felt so low. And then she walks away. Now she doesn't do this. She listens anyway. But if she walks away and I think, I've just given you my heart and soul there and you didn't even listen.
2: That concept where nobody cares gets...
0: Yeah, so who do you talk to? So, I mean, it's probably a bad example, he's my wife, because she, she does listen very carefully. But, Danny if you said, how are you feeling, Andy? And I and went, oh, you know what, it's such a shit week, and i mean, I following it, with blah, blah, blah. i a bit of a barney at work with somebody as well, and he's customer, this, this, that, and the other. And he went, you know what, mate, I need to get a flight at three o'clock, so I need to get going. And I think, I've just given you my heart and soul. I feel worse now as a result of talking. Mm. To me, it's like creating the environment for people to be able to be honest with themselves. Then does that kind
2: of answer your question? Yeah, no, it? no, no, it does. It does. It does.
1: Absolutely does. And you I got, think... You've got to pick the right person. Five text messages now have five different people asking me, how are you? One different to all, each... Yeah. To everyone.
3: Yeah.
1: You know what I mean? It's Differently different. or the same? It would be different because one person, A, I'd go, yeah, I'm fine because I don't want to talk to that person. Person B, would be like, I really need to go for and have a coffee now and have a chat. You know what mm. I mean? It'd be, so I think your replies, would you agree on that? Like, the, the replies would be different because i would choose who i would speak to because i'd know what response i'd get out of different people like certain people like like you said like colleagues don't really care so
2: i wouldn't waste my time to try and tell someone Mm. i feel down if i'm gonna get i think i've come across some people in my work life that definitely not maybe not cared but they've been healthy for my mental health if that makes sense Mm. you know they've been able to talk to me some of its advice you know some of it is just being able to listen but i mean what do you
3: you know how I like to think outside the box? Yeah. It's not always talking though, is it? That can help or will help. Mm-hmm. I picked up a point a couple of minutes ago, Andy said he does cook as well, right? You'll see a lot of men use cooking
2: therapy. as therapy.
3: Oh yeah. But another powerful kind of way to help yourself is the gym. I think it's massive. You know, for Andy it's running, but Dan it's running. For myself personally, I see gym as a massive help to myself, but it's powerful.
2: I mean, that's scientific, isn't it? Like, you know, the physical exercise. I mean, for those of us that don't know, could you tell us a bit more about your connection of physical activity and mental health? Like, how do they connect?
3: For me personally It's a release You know It's my way out Of all the shit That I go through Through the day Through the week And I put my headphones on Whatever feeling I have The 90s hip hop You know Whatever it is Podcast I don't talk to many people In the gym You know I'm zoned out For an hour Hour or 15 minutes And you know By the time so that's i it's zoning
2: out now, Isn't it like, It is Like, But for you. You, you
3: feel better as well You feel like I've yeah. accomplished something I'm a man of like Deadlines Targets And I feel that It does It's not an ego thing Or anything like that It's just You know I've got this time tar- where I'm gonna hit this target, and I got all oh, focus. Go, yeah, focus.
2: I mean, then like you know, could you connect physical activity and mental health?
1: Yes, only in for myself, only probably in the last two years, year and a half, maybe my escape was cigarettes and alcohol, that was my, it was cigarettes what? and alcohol, that was my escape, but quickly that's not going to do you any good in the long term, so I, only, I started running probably a year ago, year and a half ago, and when I started getting half decent at it, then I realised it's a good headspace, worked for me massively just getting out, even getting out in on your own's good, because you get your own headspace to mm. think for yourself, but getting out in big groups doing park runs a load of people seeing the same faces every week cheering each other on helping each other achieve stuff it was just massive yeah. and with it being so early in the morning as well it's a
2: mega way to start the day so Ansar and Dan have essentially talked about like for example the zoning in of when they're training they're working towards a target and that social thing but I mean we do know that there you know from the physical squat that you do the crunch that you do you know that mile that you've run there's something happening like in your body chemically yeah, yeah chemically tell us a bit more
0: Disclaimer. I'm not a scientist and yeah, I'm not yeah. a doctor so there's we've already touched on some of the chemicals in your body already we have a lot of adrenaline males in particular so we need to burn that off anyway if we don't burn adrenaline off then we get anxious because we'll see everything as a threat anyway so we, mm. we physically need to burn some of that adrenaline off anyway so that's great staying still lowers our mood because we're not producing serotonin so the act of just any form of movement whether it's walking running swimming whatever you do crunching in the gym whatever you want to do you're moving and that's creating higher blood flow your vibration increases your blood's pumping through your body the chemical balance in your brain is more natural Mm. and going back to you know a personal experience of mine is that I was put on antidepressants selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors ssris the idea of that was because there's so much serotonin in my brain or in our brains that if it's not going anywhere it's going to cause us to be in the wrong mood we won't be able to naturally lift our mood without antidepressants without that. but the most natural antidepressant is movement that's not science that's just facts you know yeah. people have known this for thousands of years you know you you will you will become depressed if you don't move you know and it will become a long-term illness become a physical illness and so we go back to your very first question about physical and mental health they're absolutely one in the same mm. i think mm. mental illness is a physical illness because it's parts of your brain which are not firing properly either firing too much or not enough so looking at anxiety is the same as excitement so it's exactly the same physical response if you're anxious your heart starts to beat fast you know your, your stomach tenses up because you don't want to eat your extremities go cold you have a physical response to anxiety and it's exactly the same as excitement so that could be If you're saying Bolt and you're about to break a world record, for example, he sees that as excitement, not anxiety. This is why sports people are usually so finely tuned because they know how to deal with that. Mm. So... That sports just in one way. You don't have to be a sports person to just feel in balance with your body. It could be meditation, it could be yoga, it could be you know doing a leisurely stroll or a swim or something. But if you stay still, then those chemicals get out of balance very very quickly, and that's why people go on antidepressants. And that's why I think doctors, generally speaking, being totally outspoken about it. And I can now, doctors should diagnose, go to the gym, go for a walk before they start putting people on antidepressants.
2: So here we are, the next part of the show, which I like to call a knowledge bomb or a quote deconstruct, which is basically where all of us bring a quote or some saying or a proverb that they've come across in their own lives and they bring it to the table and we have a small little chat about it. So Ansar, I am looking at you. What is your quote that you bring today?
3: My quote is actually, it's not directly linked to mental health illnesses. I've got a Mahatma Gandhi quote, the future depends on what you do today. So my thinking behind that was nothing other than how we plan to kind of break the stigma, battle the stigma, fight the stigma, whatever you want to say. You know, we talk about nearly everything. You know, there's so much going on around the world and we see it as norm. I'm not going to get into it too much, but there's so much that happens but when we talk about mental health issues within men specifically it's a boogeyman topic and everyone likes to brush it under the carpet as such but what we're doing about it as people you know as a nation it's not going to help us five sitting here talking about it and this man club when they've got like i think is it 800 how many do they get a week went up all the time yeah it's going up all the time but you know that's a very very small percentage of the people that should be helping, you know, we as a nation, we as a country, we need to combine and join together and address the importance of this illness, stigma.
2: What was your quote again? Just repeat it for...
3: The quote is, the future depends on what you do today.
2: So if we just take that as a mental health topic, for example, how you feel tomorrow, it's got to do with how we spend today. I mean, do, do, can I, I,
3: I... didn't look at it like that, book, but it does. Yeah. Can I, you know? I mean, yeah. it's applicable, isn't it? it, I, it mean, is. I just,
2: to me, it's mm-hmm. gone there. Like, how I feel tomorrow, this conversation is kind of part of it.
3: Yeah.
2: I mean, I don't know, does anybody feel like there's anything that resonates from that 100%, quote?
0: 100%, yeah. Mm. I think there's a difference between happiness and pleasure. But so quite often, we're attracted to pleasure because it's a short-term thing. So if we were to drink alcohol, smoke, eat crap, in the future days, we're going to feel bad because we're searching for short-term pleasure.
1: Yeah, 100%. But
0: dealing with, you know, doing the right thing today means that we'll be happier in the long run. So that's the way I'd look at that
1: okay Dan my quote's taken from my blog this week We are dot 43couk blog's on there my quote was how I ended the blog so it's kindness is the strategy Everything else will fall into place which I think is massive for mental health I think being kind to everyone on a daily basis going out your way to be kind be massive like the first 15 minutes of your day can be made or break just by being kind to someone you know I mean we're too quick to jump on a car horn aren't we or mm. moan at someone who cuts across you in a supermarket or you know what I mean there's no need to beat the horn at someone and they'll cut you up so what just drop back they let get on with it it doesn't matter you don't need to bring all the rest into it so I just think being kinder to people every day and being more aware of it will automatically fix people's days 100% Mm. I
2: mean I remember giving somebody advice about how to be happy and I said go out and make someone else happy Mm. and find happiness in that. And this is such a blessing that he actually came back to have that conversation again. I mean, he was already doing his small, small acts of, you know, donation, but he got a bit more active with volunteering. And we had that conversation like three, four years later where he felt a lot more happy with life because he was giving it out. Mm -hmm. You know, he was giving other people happiness. And a lot of it is is not massive things. Like you just said, the the acts of kindness. I think Morgan Freeman said this. I don't know if it's in one of the Bruce Almighty's or the other one, is you can change the world by a small, random act of kindness.
1: I can't remember what the saying is, but you should be nice to people because you don't know what they're dealing with. So you could... That sounding that horn at someone who just cut you up could send that person over the edge, you, cause you don't know you don't know where they're at in their life. They might be going through the worst part of their life that moment in time and you just sent them over the edge by just doing something simple like beeping the horn because they got too close to you in the car, sort of thing. Do,
3: do you know on that on that topic, I was driving to the gym once, Manchester Road, and basically it was a standstill traffic. All of a sudden someone hit me. I could see the people in the car behind me arguing the guy and the girl and they had kids the kids were crying and I was like what are you doing he's just come out and he's like the kids are crying and everything and he's just blowing off steam I've looked at my car it's a banger as it is and I've said do you know what mate it's cool It's like are you sure are you sure and then I'm at the traffic lights he's come beside me his has gone green I'm on red and he's honed and he's like touched his heart
2: and like Thank you. Thank
3: you. When I was going to the gym, I'm like, I feel good, you know. I've just made that guy happy. I don't care about my car and I don't get what I'm going through. Them guys are happy now. They were arguing in the car. You know, it could have been worse. Mm -hmm. You know, thankfully it wasn't for them guys and for me.
2: But here's another one. So I remember seeing a video where one person helps one person, then that person helps another. It's where somebody stops the other person from tripping over. That guy, like, thanks him. But then when he walks forward, he helps somebody pick their shopping bag. And then that old lady helps. And it, there's that chain reaction that creates. And after I watched that video, I thought, right, I'm going to do my own social study here. Let me see if I give this person way and then see if that person gives someone else way. And there was once that I remembered that it did happen. It was on a slip road where somebody let me in, where yeah. I give somebody else one. And that person gave, you know, and it was a bit of a because it was pretty heavy traffic everyone was giving everyone way and for some reason i mean i don't know if that the law of the universe worked but i felt like no man just did that shit you know a whole slip road of people helping each other started off as my small act of random kindness andy what's your quote
0: do my quote right this is it life is suffering the buddha said that okay okay yeah I completely get that. And it's taken me a while to actually agree with that. At first I wouldn't and I think the counter to that is that we're becoming a nation of snowflakes completely. You know, we want the easy route, you know, the path I'm not talking about the guys in this room, obviously, but society are getting weaker and weaker because life's so easy for us. And that's probably what happened to me. You know, I'm youngest of a large family. I was sheltered by my parents and my brothers and my sisters when when shit went down, I wasn't prepared to deal with it. I couldn't deal with it. So life is suffering for me. Is like, I actually like it when things go wrong now because it's a test. I mm, think mm. I'm being tested. Now, whether, you know, that's, you know, a, a religious thing or your own personal faith in yourself or faith in humanity or whatever you believe in, I think when stuff goes wrong, that's a test. Yeah. You know, if it's just one thing, and as you said before, it could be a domino effect, it could be lots of multiple things. This is a test. I'm, I'm being tested now either by someone else or it's a test of myself. So each day when I'm doing, doing our own meditations is whatever happens today, I'm going to test myself. I want to just see how I respond to adversity. And that's what I mean by life is suffering. So the, the more we suffer, the stronger we become. I think that's what resilience is. I don't think you can ever be resilient about it in anything until you've actually dealt with pain. That's why I've signed up to do that half Ironman because I'm going to do something really stupid. And I love just setting stupid challenges thinking... This is really gonna hurt. I actually want to be
2: hurting. What is Iron Man again? It's
0: this, I'm going to do the half Ironman. So yep. this this is the Outlaw X. So this is a 1.2 mile lake swim, 56 mile bike ride, and then okay. a half marathon.
3: You're enjoying him, Sam. Fuck that. <laughs> Fuck
0: that. <laughs> I'm doing that on my birthday, my 50th birthday. Well, the day after my 50th birthday this wow. year. I know I don't look old enough. I know before you say it, but life is suffering. I think they did a skydive for charity, and that was the most scary thing i've ever done in my life absolutely when you think you actually think i'm gonna die land on that ground afterward i felt more alive than than ever before and when you when you're actually looking death in the face i think that's when you understand what life actually is all about when i when i got to the point of thinking i want to end my own life that's when i thought actually i do want to live now when i was a child i thought i was going to live forever when i was a teenager i thought i was bulletproof and as an adult i was scared of dying now I just want to live. I just, I just want to live forever. Literally, when you mentioned the word legacy already, I just want to live forever. And that, that's another another quote. I'm coming out with loads of quotes. The only way you can live forever is by creating a positive legacy.
2: I don't think I always was big on legacy but I think the last few years, definitely. Because you're getting old. Because I'm getting old. Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah, no, I think, yeah, I think it probably takes time to develop that interest and even that, you know, what legacy is and I want to leave something behind, however that looks like or whatever that means. You know, I think it probably just takes a number of years for some, to be able to work towards or, or even think about what a legacy is. So, yeah, so my quote, I've got two. So, the first one, we won't talk as much because it kind of goes into the next one. The first one is the only exhausting thing about mental illness is pretending you don't have it. Yeah. You know, so the act of pretending that you've not got it is so tiring. It's so, so tiring. The next quote, which is indeed, with every hardship, there is ease. That quote is from the Quran the idea of that is that whenever there is anything that you're going through any form of hardship the process of trying to find some form of positive in there is your, your route out of the baggage that that will create so whatever you look like so for example the most recent time when I was ill I found out that another one of my friends had stage 3 bowel cancer and his was really really bad double triple surgery etc so I remember when I was almost going at my dark zone with that he came into my head and I did feel somewhat grateful that mine is not as catastrophic as his then i start thinking right okay there's another thing that happened at that point of my life i reevaluated my life you know it was the perfect opportunity to i don't know if anyone else can relate to what's just been said here but if you think about any of the problems that you've had is the journey out of it trying to find the positives in that so if it's a car accident and you've come out of it alive you know the whole concept of oh it could have been worse so thank fuck it wasn't nobody dying or whatever is initiating the process of dealing with it does anybody else
1: mm pause and reflect that's what I kind of learned to do there's a bunch of designers in California called The Future kind of been mentors kind of from a job role and they came over to London and they did a workshop called Design Therapy but it was nothing to do with design it was about design mindset so they were putting out scenarios on a photograph so there was a scenario of a bicycle train to the wall and the tyres had been stolen and it was like you had to write down your first mental reaction it was like fuckers (laughs) fuckers robbed my bike so he went round the room saying first reaction first reaction and they said right now pause and reflect and flip it and make it to a positive. So it was like, someone needs that bike more than me. they needed to get somewhere quicker than what I did or it was a picture of your car window smashed in and your bag was missing it's like oh someone needed that bag because they needed money to eat you know what I mean it was like so pause and reflect and just take a moment take a step back think of something positive and then flip it
2: I just remembered something I saw a video where somebody was in a Sikh temple Gurdwara they call it where you know somebody stole the charity box broke the lock and they took the money out so what they did is they did a collection and left that box outside hmm. afterwards I mean they didn't show that part of the video if the guy came and took it And I think with any form of hardship in that context I think if you have to find your own way into like finding the positivity something happened recently in my house you know yesterday and after the whole commotion and drama at home the talk that I gave is right okay these are the positives this is what's come out of it you know it took me a whole day to figure that shit out but I thought right okay this is how we're gonna cope this is what we're gonna focus on this is the kind of things that we're gonna use to help each other it's a conversation that we want to have and not talk about what's happened over and over again Mm -hmm. you're nodding is there something that you want to...
0: No, I think it's just, it's a really good mindset to have. It's an interesting one because I read a lot about stoicism. I think that's, okay, that's, yeah. that's, that's fascinating. Yeah. You, know, you know, what's in your control, what's out of your control. Yeah, yeah. And you work out, you know, if you have to write down what's in your control, outside. Yeah, yeah. Of, the only thing that's in your control is how you think and feel. Yeah. So stuff happens. It doesn't happen to us. Except for your illness. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Generally speaking, stuff's happening. It's not happening to you, it's just happening. Yeah, you're part that's, of
2: the process. Yeah,
0: yeah. We shouldn't feel as though like, you know, why is life getting me down? You no, know, why is this happening to me? It isn't, it's just happening. That's what life's all about. I totally get it. There's a lot of cognitive behavioural therapy in that CBT, when you talk about, you know, pause and reflect. We tend not to pause and reflect very often. <laughs> if we just if we could just have a pause button and go, Right, I'm freaking out right now, but I don't know why I'm freaking out, what's causing me to freak out? So that's why I'm nodding. Sometimes really bad stuff happens and you know It's just a fact of life, you know. Facts of life are that we're going to die one day. It's going to happen. This could be our last day on earth. So why would we spend this last day on earth being miserable about it, being anxious about it, bringing everybody else down? So, yeah, I think we've all been through quite a lot of shit in our lives haven't we and panicking about it and bringing other people down doesn't help everybody else it's good that you could think that way though
2: yeah I think it's a practice thing I think you have to it's a repetition thing I mean it's not easy to do something at the time of a calamity or a tragedy to be able to find the positives in it but I think it's definitely something that should be a part of every problem that you ever come across is trying to work your way through that weaving where the positive is and clinging on to that and you know trying to somehow get out of that you know I think everything else afterwards either falls into place or comes into perspective is hang on maybe my beans on toast wasn't as bad because there's some kid out there that's you know picked up from a bin or not ate at all so my beans and toast ain't as bad so the next part of the show is where we talk about a tool or some form of resource that is used in relevant to the conversation that we've been having so I'm gonna start it off which I've spoken about before is something called bullet journaling so bullet journaling essentially is a concept that allows you to organize your thoughts structure your ideas and work for the general betterment of your life it helped reevaluate my life and work towards achieving the new goals and stuff that i was working on the whole brain dumping where you process your negative thoughts on paper and you're just trying to talk about as many negative things as possible so yeah so my tool is a bullet journal andy what's yours
0: well This is going to be a a bit of a strange one. How deep does it actually go? Uh, I think, because we're all different, it's not an app, it's not a a journal. That's a great one, by the way, Sam. I think we've got the answers in ourselves already. I think we often look outside for, for answers. We look on Google, we ask other people, what do you think? What do you think I should do here? Google the problem. How do I get out of this? How do I improve that? I think probably the closest thing to it is meditation, is being alone with our demons. I do it on a long run on my own or a walk just being in my own space and just create space and I think if you create space in your life then you can find the answers so it doesn't need to be anything profound I think the longer we're on our own and especially in nature and have more gratitude go out there so if I was going to put it into a tool form this is not sitting there, cross-legged, going home and breathing into my chakra. Do that as well, which is pretty cool. I'll go out on a run or a walk with the dog and I'll have the biggest things that are bothering me in my life. I'll prioritise them. I'll have three things that I need to, what I'm worried about. It could be anything. It could be like a problem at work or problem with somebody in the family, a bill that needs paying. And I won't come back until I've solved them myself so that could be if it's a run for example i think okay this first problem is a big problem i need to sign myself i need to find the answer myself i'm not going to seek outside support on this one that's going to take me 20 minutes this problem's going to take me five minutes and this one's going to take me five minutes okay that's half an hour of a run i'll do 5k well probably I have to do 10k on everyone in that time, but you get the point. So yeah. I think in terms of a tool or resource, I think we don't value ourselves enough quite often. We don't realise just how much we've learned in our lives to be able to respond to our gut feeling. So I would say, go with your gut and listen to your body, listen to your consciousness.
2: Perfect, thank you very much. Passing the same question over to Dan, what tool or resource would you bring to the table today?
1: Very similar to what Andy said, really, running. Straight away, if I had a... Was it a couple of Mondays on on the trot now where I was meant to either do something with you or go running with you and I've just in the afternoon, two o'clock I've just gone and done it. Just thought, right, down tools, laptops off, clients I could go away and I've just literally put my trains on and just gone running at two o'clock and then not doing anything later on. But if I was to give any advice to others, I would be Everyone's got that one thing that they love, haven't they? So like, it might be football, it might be boxing, it might be, it's motor racing for me. And if I'm ever in that position where I just do the one thing that I love the most, so it'll be, I would just turn off and I'd watch something about motor racing or I'd watch a documentary or I'd watch an old Grand Prix from years ago just for an hour or... Everyone's got that one thing that they're passionate about the most in their life, whether it's sport, whether it's whatever, films so the Growing, painting and anything, is anything if, if i said to you to all of you now said so right you're going to sit in this room forever what's the one thing that you're going to do whether it's going to be you're going to have a boxing bag in the corner you're going to watch old sports you're going to read certain books everyone's got that one thing is it one is it one album that you always listen to everyone's got that one thing that they love so for me it's always just forgetting about Efton and, just, and just taking hold of that one thing that i couldn't kind of live without
2: okay thank you answer what's your
3: it won't be as unique as these two have just expressed but mine is it's not an app it's not anything like that it's a good friend Mm -hmm. a good friend to talk to or someone that's real that will talk to you and listen to you but you know we've spoken about that before you know so i'm not going to go into talking to someone on the lengthy side but i just want to let our viewers know if you don't have someone to talk to, so many organisations that are there to listen to you and talk to you. You know, we've spoken about Andy's Man Club already, but just in the UK, there's another organisation called Anxiety UK. There's Calm, we've all heard of Calm. Yeah. There's a couple more, what's in this? Mind. There's Mind, there's No Panic. I think Samaritans is the, is the goal, yeah, too, isn't yeah, it? That's
0: yeah. the main one yeah. I'd say. If yep. you go to Andy's Man Club and you're in crisis, they'll send you to Samaritans.
3: Yep. And if you did want to contact the Samaritans, their telephone number is 116123. I think you contact them via a text message. So, yeah, my one tool would be someone to talk to.
2: Love that right thank you very much for everyone who's um, contributed to this episode here Uh, we were essentially trying to explore what mental health is and my conclusion in a a recap format is mental health is physical health it's the same thing it's part of it it's not separated from it you know there are good there are bad there are cures there are solutions there are treatments there are symptoms it's it's nothing separate from one or the other it's they both are connected some of the solutions that we discussed were talking, talking to each other, creating a safe space so that conversations can happen and also you know where you spend time with yourself more than you do because I think a lot of the times with mental illness and mental health issues we tend to distract ourselves with things and not being able to process and the tool and resource that I that really hit the nail on the head for me is that friend that right kind of friend is where that you can have a conversation with that would listen whether they comfort or advise you that's irrelevant but I think having that that friend that's you know got the emotional intelligence that empathetic, sympathetic and that is able to able to have that those kind of conversations
3: thank you very much for listening if you enjoyed the episode please give it a like let us know your thoughts and ideas on the comment section below but most importantly share this episode with someone who will benefit from listening to it don't forget to connect with us on our socials our social media handle is men who talk pod and we're on twitter instagram facebook soundcloud itunes and google podcast our website is www.menwhotalk.com our guests dan parker and andy hall thank you very much we'll put their socials and links to their work on our show notes once again this show was brought to you by sam malik and myself ansa ali